How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are back at it again, <clears throat> working our way through the book of Ephesians. Now we're up to chapter 5, but uh, <clears throat> before we get into chapter 5, there's uh, one more thing I just want to take uh, an extra little look at um, in chapter 4. Just a, a talk about regarding language, regard, regarding our speech, our communication, as uh, Paul has a, a little bit to say about it near the end of chapter 4. So I just want to kind of go over that again, because realize I didn't really go over this specifically. I intended to, but completely forgot. So we're going to go over that a little bit and then dive into chapter 5. So grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens. Grab your tea, grab your coffee. And if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. Uh, if it's not related to the topic at hand, uh, you just hold that to the end of the study or to our next broadcast. <clears throat> so good morning. Good morning. How's it going? Making my coffee for the broadcast. That's that's good. Priorities. All right. And... Uh, Okay, so with this said, I'm going to take a look here um, at what Paul says in chapter 4. Now, some people don't really see the overall importance of this. Uh, and this is about our speech, uh, the way we talk, how we talk, and... It, it does it really matter uh, it, how we talk like in regards to like say vulgarities swearing cursing that kind of thing is it really that big of a deal it's just words it's just words i've heard all the arguments i've heard all the arguments on both sides um <clears throat> there are some people that go <laughs> way too far with it uh like for example um there are certain denominational groups where like for example uh you know deviled eggs or devil's food cake oh, you, can't, you can't say that can't say devil's food cake uh, so you can't say devil because that that's bad you shouldn't you shouldn't talk like that can't call it you can't call it deviled eggs so we'll call it something else okay you know there is a line uh, but this is in regards to what the Bible calls corrupted speech. Corrupted speech. So, what is corrupted speech according to the Word of God? Well, let's take a look at some of the verses here. So, if we back up in Ephesians chapter 4, and again, building off of verse 27, neither give place to the devil. So, we see corrupted as in dark, evil, wicked, corrupted that that goes against the righteousness of god so unrighteous speaking unrighteous speaking so if we take a look at verse 29 let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth so this is corrupt as an unrighteous that which would defile the christ likeness that that which would uh 
shame the Lord, grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we know what does? Well, this is why we got to keep pairing Scripture, Scripture, rightly dividing the word of truth. But, let, but let's look at this. Let no corrupt communication, verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. So speech that edifies, builds up, blesses, strengthens, encourages, all of that. So therefore, what is the inverse of that? What's, what's, what's the opposite? That which tears down, does not bless, is not encouraging right but rather speech which is good now what context of good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers does that mean then that we're never allowed to joke we're, not, we're never allowed to like you know even just be silly and joke is that wrong no no but we want to compare this with what it says now look at that down in verse 31 let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. Now, what evil as in what? What's the context of evil? Well, we know what is good. Now, what is evil? That which would be in line with the ways of darkness, unrighteousness, and wickedness. And evil speaking. Hating one another. Bitterness. So look at look at the, the kind of uh, fret. Uh, the group that it's in bitterness wrath anger clamor evil speaking and if you look up it uh, but lying and stealing and fornication so we see evil speaking is put in the same category the same category so speech that would be in line with and promoting all of those other wicked things corrupt communication in line with all of those other wicked things okay but let's take a look at um let's go over to ephesians chapter 5 look at verse 4 just for a moment ephesians 5 verse 4 <clears throat> neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor foolish talking nor jesting you know, jesting is in the context of like a court jester. You know, back in the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, you have the kings and the queens in the court, and then you have the court jester. Now, what, what was the job of the court jester? To be an absolute idiotic moron to just get a laugh. The Lord doesn't like that. Where you are deliberately debasing yourself, degrading yourself, just for cheap laugh. Being an absolute moron, the Lord says, is wrong. Now look at the look at the again, the types of things that this is in line with. Foolish talking as a fool, an idiot. Foolish talking and jesting. Look at it. But fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talking, jesting. The, look at the, the kind of things that it's in line with. The Lord throws it in the same category. As the stuff that was up here in chapter 4. About bitterness, wrath, anger, and theft, and fornication, all that kind of stuff. But the Lord really has a, 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 a dim view of corrupted speech, doesn't he? He says, don't do this. Now, if we take a look, for example, at Colossians. Let's go over to Colossians, chapter 3. 
There it is again. Chapter 3, verse 8. Chapter 3 of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 8. But now ye also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication. Blasphemy and filthy communication. Again, in the same category. Now, what is blasphemy? Well, blasphemy, according as we see in the Word of God, blasphemy is the flippant, irreverent misuse of the mention of God, uh, either by directly of his name or mentioning of God. Like, for example, even OMGs. Using OMGs is blasphemy because it's a flippant, irreverent misuse of the mention of God for cheap expletive. Either using directly the names of God for swear words, where you stub your toe and you bellow out one of the names of God, that's blasphemy. Or you're so excited about something and you, and you start saying the OMGs, that's blasphemy. You'll notice that in this, you never, ever, ever hear someone stub their toe and shout, Oh, Buddha, or Oh, Muhammad, or Oh, one of the other you know, religions or whatever. You never hear that. It, that in uh, all the world, only, only, only the, the, the names and the mention of the God of the Bible is used as vulgarities. You never hear uh, anywhere else in the world people using any other deity or other religious icons or whatever as cuss words. It's only the God of the Bible. That, that, that's rather interesting. But blasphemy is put in the same category as filthy communication. Now, filthy is degraded. This also uh, falls under category of immoral. Immoral morally bankrupt where you'd be joking about fornication joking about adultery joking about immoralities that kind of stuff talking about that kind of stuff you shouldn't be talking about that talking about other men and women in communication you know to to in conversation about uh, discussing the way they look in a sexualized manner that's filthy communication you should not be doing that it's put in the same categories, blasphemy, anger, wrath, malice, and other sins. Now people say, oh, you're just being too strict. You're just being a prude. <laughs> oh, really? Well, I, uh, just by the way, I'm just literally repeating what God said in his words. So you're accusing God of that. So you're saying he's wrong? Let's take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Some people get all mad, and by this point, they'll be... Uh, going out of this video and stop listening to this video because they want to keep their filthy communication, their vulgarities and their corrupt speech, and they don't want to walk in righteousness of speech. Uh, but again, it doesn't matter what other people think, it matters what the Lord says. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. Look what this says. This is interesting. But shun, this is 2 Timothy 2, 16, but shun profane and vain babblings profane as in profanity corrupted perverted and vain empty useless worthless 
but shun profane and vain babblings. And as the word of God says, that even a fool, when he holds his peace, is counted wise. A fool utters all his mind. Just, just you open your mouth and just words just fall out. Pointless, worthless, useless speech. You're not paying attention to what you're talking about. You're just babbling away, just talking away, and there's no point. Uh, you're not paying attention to your words. You're just regurgitating stuff just for the sake of it. Uh, the, the Lord says, shun that. You, you should seek to not be like that. You should be aware of what you're talking about, and you should be mindful of how you're talking. So look at this. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more and more ungodliness. Because if you're not guarding your speech, you can have a tendency to say things you ought not. And even start talking inappropriately, ungodly. Your speech can even go ungodly because if you're not protecting and guarding your speech. So, and if we go over to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. What does it say? James even says here, James chapter 3, verse 10. James 3, 10. <clears throat> Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Out of the same mouth proceeds both blessing and cursing. Rather, as the word of God says, let your speech be always salted with grace that you may know how you ought to answer every man. I will allow no corrupt communication to proceed out of my mouth. As it says in scripture. So, what's the context then of corrupted speech, filthy talking, filthy communication, vain, profane speaking and babbling? We see the, the, the context of the categories that those things are found in. It was all kinds of other degenerate sins and terrible sins of unrighteousness and ungodliness, unchristlikeness. So we see then by this, and there's so much more throughout the word of God regarding speech, it, that the way we talk is very, very important. That we should choose our words carefully. You know, like, like how I, I teach here... <clears throat> in how to study the Word of God, that we pay attention to what we're reading, how we're reading it, in the context, how it's being said, and then that we study the words themselves, what do they mean, and where else are these contexts found and throughout the Word of God. We pay such close attention to the way we read and study our Bibles, that's the same way that you should be talking. Be mindful of what you're saying, how it's being said. We want to guard our speech, Words said cannot be taken back. The once it's out of the mouth, it's gone. You can't take it back. And as the word of God says, how great a matter a little fire kindleth, so is the tongue. And the tongue is a world of iniquity full of deadly poison. And it's so easy to destroy by a single word. As the word God says, to not even speak when you're angry. 
but to hold your peace. We should be very, very careful the way we talk and not allow ourselves uh, to, to be pulled down into a form of degradation. Now, I, I know we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. And it is so insanely easy to be pulled into a moment where everyone's really excited, everyone's really happy, everyone's being very lighthearted, and it gets goofy, and we all start goofing around, and we all get talking stupid. It happens. This is why we're under grace, not law. But it's just something to, to remind ourselves, remind ourselves, because the world is watching and the world is listening. And when the unsaved are listening to Christians and the Christians in language sound no different than the unsaved, well, what is there about you that will draw them? Wow. Well, look at look at these Christians over here. They're no different than you and I. L listen to them. They, they joke around the same as we do. Same jokes, same perverted speak. They curse and swear just like us. There's no difference between us and them. But doesn't the Lord say to come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord? To be separate, to be different. Different in action, thought, and word. In action, thought, and word. That we are to be Christ-like in action, thought, and word. Our words need to be very carefully chosen. Now, there's nothing wrong with telling a joke. There's nothing wrong with, you know, having that, that, that funny, silly time. But there needs to be a form of control. There needs to be a control. There needs to be that limit, that line that you will not cross, that, that you are aware of where the conversation's going, and you will not allow yourself to cross that line. That you, will not, that you will not allow yourself to degrade and debase your speech in a moment of excitement of whether it be, you know, like you stubbed your toe, slammed your hand in the car door, or you're having that really frustrating moment at home or at work or whatever. You will not allow your tongue to control you. Your tongue is an unruly evil. Unruly. Cannot be controlled. Unruly. It's rebellious. That the tongue is almost like a, it's almost like it has a mind of its own. That it, it that you are hardly even thinking, and your your tongue is just going off. We gotta learn to shut our mouths, hold our tongue, hold our speech, guard our words. Our lips called gates that we only open the gates of our lips for certain words. There needs to be a guard at the door. I will allow no corrupt communication to proceed out of my mouth. So we got to think about this. It's very easy to, to say things that you ought not. It's very easy to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. It's very easy to degrade ourselves. And my last point before we move on into chapter 5 for a regular Bible study... This is one of the most important points in all of this. If we are not guarding our language, guarding our tongue, guarding our speech, by just one single word, misspoken, 
You can destroy your entire testimony. All the work you've been trying to do in, in, uh, in trying to witness the unsaved, whether family, friends, co-workers, or whatever, you can destroy an entire life's ministry of te- or testimony by a single word. By one single phrase, one single stupid thing said, not thinking, you can ruin your testimony, you can ruin your ministry, you can ruin how other saints, uh, uh, other brothers and sisters, like new Christians, whatever, the way they look up to you, you can destroy everything by a single phrase, single word, misspoken. Just think about that one. You didn't see Jesus and his disciples walking down the dusty road, cursing, swearing, uh, uh, talking filthy and degraded and all that and everything they're doing. Why should we be? Watch your words. All right. So with that, that's just one last point I wanted to make in chapter four. And now we move on into chapter five. And kind of building off of what we were talking about there. So, again, folks, please grab your Bibles. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. And we're going to continue on here. All right. You know, good morning, good morning. How's it going? And Purely says, I'm amazed at the way the Lord has changed my way of thinking and how I speak. Yeah, well, we give ourselves over to the Lord. And we determine in ourselves that the Lord is the one that calls the shots in our lives, the way we think and work and act, speak and all this. It, it's amazing how the, how the Lord changes things. It's amazing how refined in thought and word and action we become. That is the direct working of the Holy Spirit of God. And that's what the Lord wants. He wants us to be reflections of himself. Of the spirit of God within us would be reflected outwardly. So, how much more our speech too? All right, and Dana's throwing in some references here. We better look them up. We got Proverbs chapter four. What does this say? Proverbs four twenty four. What do we got? Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Amen. Amen. Put away from thee a froward mouth. Froward. That that is wayward, that just goes off on every other tangent and foolishness, everything else. And perverse, as in perverted. It's perverted. Perverted talk, pervert speech, perverted speech. That's what I'm talking about there. Put away from thee. Have nothing to do with it. Amen. And Proverbs 6.12. Proverbs 6.12. Okay. Um, Proverbs 6.12. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. Exactly. Sinful. Um, sinful, evil, wicked. It's a naughty as in disobedient one that that uh, will not follow in proper authority and a, a, a naughty person a wicked man a wicked man walketh with a froward mouth exactly so again you see the, the see the kind of uh 
the kind of other things that the Lord puts all this stuff into about uh, this perverted speech. If you look at other kinds of sins and stuff that the Lord throws it in the same category, we want nothing to do with that. Just as you wouldn't steal, just as uh, you, you wouldn't want to lie and bear false witness, the same as you wouldn't want to kill someone or blaspheme the Lord, you, you should be the same kind of uh, revulsion in us to, that, that is towards that corrupted speech. So, yeah. Okay. So, if we look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Look what it says here. Now, after everything that we've talked about in, in thought, word, and action, thought, word, and action, Ephesians 5.1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Followers of God as dear children. I can just end the whole study right here. Because we really, when you think about this, the way we follow the Lord is is in the manner as dear children. This is building off of what the Lord Jesus says in Matthew 18. So please grab your Bibles and turn back to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. Exactly, Dana. Exactly. Children are imitators. They will copy what you do. Such a good example here. Exactly. Now, uh, it just... I've seen the videos uh, where people have actually done tests on this, where they take young children, little children, and they sit them down and they play like a, a cowboy, a cowboy show. What do the kids start doing? That within, within a very short amount of time, they start pretending they're cowboys. I saw a video recently about uh, how little kids, how they'll imitate the kind of entertainments that we give ourselves like for example i saw a video of a, of a guy this dad driving his car and he has his little daughter like a five-year-old six-year-old daughter in the back seat the dad is playing heavy metal music you know the screamo growly heavy metal music and the little kid in the back seat is imitating it it puts on an angry face and just starts screaming and growling and people are laughing. They think it's all cute and everything, but it's not. That's not cute. That is has nothing to do with the spirit of God. That, that is that is terrible. Absolutely terrible. That, that kind of thing. But you see, kids become that which they see the adults, what they see the grown-ups, they see the parents doing. They imitate the parents. And even in mannerisms, Children, even in mannerisms, the way they the, the way they walk, move their arms, even the way they talk, the, their accents, everything about them, they imitate from their parents. And just as this you see here, we are to walk as children of God. He's our father. We are to imitate him. Like, uh, the one thing I talk about now, regardless of the whole music thing, I just want to say, you know, how this is my opinion, mind you. This is straight up my opinion. But I honestly, honest to God, do not see the angels standing around the throne of God, head banging to heavy metal music. Say what you want. I don't. I personally do not believe that that metal music is godly 
I do not believe the heavy metal music, that kind of thing, promotes righteousness. I do not believe that it is something that born-again Christians give themselves over to. But again, that's just my opinion, mind you. But show me from the Word of God how I'm wrong. You want to look at the type of attitude, nature, character, attributes, behavior that the music itself portrays. What kind of personality, what type of behavior does that music portray? You look at the nature of the, of the musicians, the nature that this gives off, the spirit that that kind of music gives off. Like, even you look at, like, I just said, gangster rap. Look at gangster rap. What kind of spirit, behavior, does that kind of music teach, instruct, give off? And not just in music, even, even in the way, way we talk, the way we think, the activities, all the things that we do, what what do each of these things that we give ourselves to do in any form of entertainment, any form of activity, any form of work, wherever we're going, what kind of nature, behavior, spirit are these things promoting? We talk about movies, for example. What are, what are the movies that we're watching? What are they teaching, instructing? What what kind of things are they glorifying, promoting? But as you see, as Jesus Christ himself says in Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18, verse 2, Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter to the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend, that means to cause to fall away, cause to walk away, cause to be destroyed. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believeth in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. God said that. That's how God thinks of people who would corrupt and corruptly influence children. Something to think about. But if we back up here, verily I say unto you that there's a couple things to consider in verse 3. Uh, Matthew 18, verse 3. Except you be converted, that is to repent. Okay? To to repent of and, and to, to believe in a, cer uh, in a certain uh, gospel, certain doctrine. Except you be converted and become as little children. Now, what, is, what does he mean by this? In faith. In faith. You just believe what you're told. So it's repent and believe. Repent and believe. Just like Mark 1.15. Repent and believe the gospel that's converted and become as dear children. It's talking about the in the form of repentance and belief of Mark 1.15. This is Ephesians 2.8 and 9 that Jesus is actually implying in verse 3 here. 
as de come as dear children. Now, to become as dear children in faith, a belief of the gospel of salvation, but also in the walk of the walk in the Lord, that you just believe as you are told. Believe as you are told. Now, you see this in verse four: to humble himself as this little child. To not think much of yourself, to not try to figure it out yourself, but to just believe what the Lord says. Just believe what the Lord says. Shall humble himself as this little child. Little child. Now, why does he emphasize little child? Well, there's children. Then there's little children, like toddlers. Toddlers. Now, what kind of influence can you have on a toddler because once children get to a certain age they start understanding a bit of the difference in things and they can start thinking about and they get harder and harder and harder to deceive as the older they get and and you can't really influence them as much as you can say a toddler who knows nothing this is what the lord is getting at in verse four little children as little children in faith just pure pure innocent blind faith pure innocent blind faith and what the lord says and how the lord instructs is how the lord leads become as little children let's go back to ephesians 5. ephesians 5 1. And so here it is again be therefore followers of God, our Father in heaven, as dear children. Now, dear children is the little children. These little ones that can't look after themselves. These little ones that depend on you. So, dear children. So followers of God is dear children now in, in what manner? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> to be therefore followers of God as dear children, verse 2, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a, and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. To walk in the love of Christ. In love of Christ. How much do you love Christ? How much do you love Christ? So you walk in that kind of manner like for example those of you who are married you wouldn't go about in, in at home work out in public or whatever deliberately walking thinking talking working in manners that would di deliberately directly offend and misrepresent and corrupt your relationship with your spouse. You wouldn't want to talk bad about your spouse publicly. You wouldn't want to deliberately harm your relationship with them in any manner. You wouldn't want to do that. How much more our relationship with our Father in heaven? In thought, word, action. But rather as dear children who do as they're told, when the parent tells them something, they do this. That's how we're supposed to behave as obedient, loving children. Loving of what? Loving of our father. Loving of our parent. Loving of our God. 
and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. As the Lord loves us, we love him. We are to imitate. Like we talked about this, how little children imitate that which they are around. So what are we supposed to hang around? What are we supposed to give, give our attention to? So we want to walk as children of Christ in the same kind of love as he loved us. Forgiving others as he forgave us. Helping others as he has helped us. Speaking unto others in the manner and nature as he speaks to us. Let your speech be always salted with grace. To be as gracious unto others as he is gracious to us. Do you see this? Be therefore followers of God. Now what are the fruits of the Spirit of God? To walk in that. We walk in spirit, not flesh. We talk in spirit, not flesh. We think in spirit, not flesh. Our reality is the reality of that which is spirit, not flesh. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are separate from the world. So, we look at this. <clears throat> Verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us and offering a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So the actual work of Jesus Christ himself, the work of Jesus Christ, uh, of his gospel and his whole message is ever on our, on our minds. That we walk in newness, as we saw before in verse 23 of chapter 4, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, because our minds are always on that which the Lord has done for us. And we take that and we present the nature, the char character, attributes, aspects, everything of that work of Jesus Christ. And that is manifested through us. That is shown through us in thought, word, and action. In nature of speech, in nature of action. That when we go out, that we, we give off that kind of attitude in air. As the Lord and his disciples, imagine going back in time, rewind the tape, you travel back in time, all the way back 2,000 years ago, and you're, you're sitting there with Jesus and his disciples. What kind of atmosphere would they be producing, giving off, portraying? It's the same kind of thing that should be for us. How can corrupt communication, filthy talking, foolish talking and jesting and cursing and swearing of vulgarities, how could that have any place in this kind of thing? Or even just that, look at different kinds of movies and shows and games and books and, and attitudes and activities. You, you see then what kind of things just don't work. It just doesn't work with the attitude of Christ-likeness. It just doesn't fit with the nature of godliness. It just doesn't have a proper place in that which the Lord is calling us to do. So you see, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just showing you what the Word of God says. This is the kind of stuff the Word of God says and if you don't agree, show me from the word of God 
how the word of God can and, and the character of Christ himself can fit what you want. Think about it. But in this, we see how we're supposed to be. Then we see the Lord says again in, in Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 3. Neither filthiness, as you see in this, now filthiness, as you see in verse 4, filthiness covers a, quite a, a broad variety of things. Because we see it in verse 3. But fornication, fornication, fornicating around, that's, that's uh, the sexual immorality. Also, the fornication is where we get the word pornea, as in pornography pornographic talk pornographic uh, um, actions activities pornographic imagery all of that sexual immorality that kind of stuff but fornication and all uncleanness all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Now, that thankfulness uh, towards the Lord, that thankfulness of spirit of the, of the ways of the Lord, to be thankful for the ways of the Lord, and because that's what you desire and you want nothing to do with this, this all this other garbage. The Lord doesn't pull punches, does he? he he's quite specific very hyper specific about the things that uh, he says how we are to be so we go down to verse 5 for this ye know you, you know this he says here you you know this the no whoremonger that's promiscuous persons now also just wanted to just throw this out there for all men and women just fyi whoremongery promiscuity and this fornication type of thing which is sexual immorality this also falls into the same category of the way that you are presenting yourself in public if you are deliberately sexualizing yourself in appearance that's whoremongery the, the, the lord says have nothing to do with that not to, not to be portraying yourself in that manner showing off your body in such a way to sexualize yourself that's that that's sinful that's wrong the lord says don't do that fyi so if you are deliberately portraying yourself in that manner to get people to stare at you and to to lust after to desire that uh, to be uh, have that kind of attitude about it the lord says that's sin You realize that uh, Adam and Eve, after they sinned, it says that God made them coats of skins, not bikinis and loincloths. For this you know that nor whoremonger, nor unclean person. What does that mean? Someone who just doesn't take a bath? No, unclean. An unclean person. This is unclean in thought, word, action, portrayal. You are filthy. You're a filthy person. You're a disgusting, filthy person. That's what that's getting off there. For this you know that no, no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. You have nothing, you have nothing to do with the Lord if that's the kind of person you are. You can call yourself a Christian all you want, but you're, you have nothing in common with the lord you have you you have no place with the lord 
If you have no conviction of this kind of stuff, you have no business with the Lord. That's what it says. Now, if we cross-reference this with what the Lord says about us, actually, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 just for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Boy, this is... What we're covering here right now, this is so antithetical to the way our society is right now. <laughs> I mean, this is crazy. Because everything that the Lord says to do and not do, we're seeing it so blatantly portrayed in our society today. In the government, in the schools, education system, the way society dresses behaves revels in their entertainments hollywood it's just wow but we take a look at, at our character the way we are to behave think talk work let's look at look at first corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 look at verse 16 know ye not meaning don't you know this aren't you aware of this know ye not Ye are the temple of God. And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. We are the temple of God. You are a you are a living temple of God that the Spirit of the Living God lives in. How do you think you should behave, think, talk, work, dress, entertain yourself? How do you think that we should be portraying ourselves then? You know, there's nothing wrong with music, but there's bad music. There's nothing wrong with television, but there's bad shows. Nothing wrong with games, but there's bad games. There's nothing wrong with dressing fancy, but there's inappropriate dressing. We're the temple of God. We're not a whorehouse. We're the temple of God. We're not a den of iniquity. We're the temple of God. We're not a social club. We're the temple of God. And we're to... We're to portray ourselves as such, as children of God. Then we take a look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him you should show forth promote you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light now this is building off of actually exodus chapter 19. let's go back to exodus chapter 19. and what verses 5 to 6. Exodus 19, 
The Lord said this to Israel. And then he says it to us. And we go back to Exodus 19, verse 5. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Let's just go over that. You shall be a peculiar treasure if you keep my covenant. Keep my covenant. Now we're under the new covenant. The covenant of Jesus Christ. How do we... Just a thought. You can answer this in the comments if you'd like. How, how do we keep the covenant of Jesus Christ? We're no longer under the law. We're under grace. True. The law, law, the law is a help. The law is a tool, an instruct, an instructor. But we're under grace, though. But in in this covenant of Jesus Christ, under grace, how do we keep the covenant of Jesus Christ? What did the Lord Jesus say? If you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. Who is he again? Jesus is God. If you will obey my voice. That sounds. That sounds very parental. It sounds very parental right there. Like when you're when you're a kid, do you remember hearing your parents say, would you just listen to me? Would you listen to me? Do what I say. Do what I say. Do what I tell you. What did I tell you? If ye will obey my voice and keep my covenant, do what I say. Keep my covenant. It's very parental. Keep my covenant. Then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be, if you obey my voice and keep my commandments and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation but ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood and holy nation a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light so the the way that it's shown of behavior even in the Old Testament, is the same in manner of behavior of righteousness in the New Testament. That goes for thought, word, and action. So we look at this, and yes, I I, I understand. Again, we got to go over this. We've got to make sure we understand where this is not a... a law-based thing that you better do this or else <laughs> we're under grace and that you can't lose your salvation you won't be cast away and all that kind of thing but just something to think about i closed this section before i even covered it go back to first peter chapter 2 verse 9 for your chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, 
again with that we take a look at what know ye not ye are the temple of God which is in you and you're not your own you've been bought with a price but what does it say about those that defile the temple of God what does it say about defiling the temple of God because He who defiles the temple, him shall God destroy. But if you defile the temple, him shall God destroy. How can we defile the temple? Well, if we go back in the Old Testament, there was very, very strict laws and all this. And that it happened to some people where they would go in with corrupted sacrifices, corrupted incense, and God would strike them dead. He would take their lives. Just as just like we see Ananias and Sapphira defiled the temple by lying to the Holy Ghost, God took their lives. Just like we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 5, the one that's uh, committing immorality and fornication in, in, the, uh, in the church. What does Paul say? He'd be delivered unto the devil for the destruction of the flesh. But his spirit is still saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Can't lose your salvation, but you can lose your life. By deliberate disobedience, deliberate rebellion, deliberate refusal to listen to the Lord. And that continuation of that, the Lord may just call your number. This is John John 15 about the branch and the vine. The branch that doesn't bear fruit will be cut off and will be uh, uh, cast away. And men will gather them and burn them. This, this shows a destruction of that which is physical, but you're still a branch of the vine. You can't lose your salvation. This is a, a, a judgment on those that would defile the temple. That falls into the same category there. So you got to ask yourself a question. Why would you not want to walk in righteousness? Why would you want to fight against the biblical teachings of proper speech? Why would you want to go around cursing and swearing and talking filthy and corrupted? Why would you want that? Why would you fight to fight to maintain that fight to keep that? Why would you want to resist righteous speech? Well, you look at the kind of behavior. The attitude of that person, a rebel, rebellious, disobedient. They say they love the Lord, but in works dishonor him, being disobedient and rebellious and unto every good work are reprobate. Why would you not want to guard your speech? Why would you not want to guard your thoughts? Why would you not want to guard your actions? This is what the Lord says. If you love me, keep my commandments. So there's a want to. There's a, I want to follow the Lord and I don't want to follow the Lord. Not wanting to walk in righteousness, not wanting to be righteous. Says a lot. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Are you followers of God or followers of yourself? Followers of self. Because we look at the flesh and we look at what ourselves want. See, this is the thing. I am so beyond words thankful to the Lord that salvation is by grace because I know the kind of person I am.
I know my strengths, my weaknesses. I know the things I struggle with. I know the kind of person I am. I know what I am capable of. That if I don't consistently fight myself on a regular daily basis, I have to wage war against myself on a regular daily basis because I know what my flesh will do. I know what my tongue will do, what my mind will do. I know how evil my flesh is. This is why the Lord says constantly about crucifying the flesh, to nail it down. Crucify the flesh with the affections and lusts thereof. To die to self, forsake all, subdue the flesh, to, uh, to hold, hold your speech and thought in captivity. To resist the devil, give no place to the devil, to fight the flesh, fight the world. All this. Why, why he uses so much of this language. It also just goes right into hand in hand with uh, how absolutely just downright stupid the idea of works based salvation, works based salvation. That, well, if you don't do, then you're not saved. If it wasn't by grace, we're all going to hell. Let's just say it right there. If, that if, it's, if salvation is not by grace, we're all going to hell. Because none of us can be good enough. None of us can guide ourselves. I challenge you. Here's, here's an actual challenge. Right? A real challenge of all challenges. I challenge you. Just go one hour. One hour. Without sinning. Without sinning by way of thought, word, or action. Can't do it. I bet, I bet you, you couldn't even go five minutes. Five minutes without sinning. Somehow, while we have thought, word, or action. Because the other thing about it too, is we're only mindful of blatant, obvious sins. What about where the Bible talks about sins of ignorance, presumptuous sins. Sins you aren't even aware of that you are doing. That you are completely unaware of. That, that of things that are sins that you don't even know are sins. So how can we keep ourselves so spotless to earn a salvation if we can't even control ourselves? Like the one joke post I put up, it says, you can't even control your own hiccups and you think you can control your salvation. But the Lord says, yes, I know, I understand this. But this is why I ask that you choose to resist your salvation is held by me now will you will you follow me will you follow me in righteousness will you choose to su submit the flesh with the affections and lusts thereof will you choose to die to self will you choose to to correct your speech guard your thoughts will you will you choose to follow me because it's a choice folks it's a choice in that moment you're watching television it is it is completely a choice right there something bad pops up on the screen you choose to watch it or turn it off 
you see that person inappropriately dressed walking down the sidewalk you choose to look take that second look or look away and rebuke the flesh with the lustful thoughts that come up you choose in that moment you choose when you get mad you choose what words you're gonna say whether whether it be cursing or whatever else that comes up you choose in that moment you choose what music to listen to that's why the lord says choose you this day whom you will serve choose you this day whom you will serve it's a choice folks it's a choice of service are you going to serve the flesh and sin are you going to serve the lord are you going to repent of your thoughts or just give into it are you going to repent of the imagery and the sights or are you going to give into it choose you this day whom you will serve and this is the beauty of the lord of forgiveness that if we would but ask the lord to forgive us if we would confess our our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we trip and fall, the righteous men fall seven times and rises again. We get back up, say, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. He says, I forgive you. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. We get stuck in the slough of, desp of despond and all of our temptations and trials. We get trapped in those days. You know what I'm talking about. Those days where everything goes wrong. Days where you feel like you lost your sanctification. You know what I'm talking about. Those horrible, horrible dark days where everything goes wrong and we're just in our absolute worst days. Those are the days when our flesh throws a tantrum. Because we're walking with the Lord, we're following the Lord. You always notice that those those worst days always follow right after we have our best days. You ever notice that? You ever notice that? That our worst days uh, come right after when we've had our best days. That's why every pastor, and every pastor will agree with me who hears this, every single pastor hates Monday. hates monday because that's the day that the flesh throws a fit that's the day that the the flesh the devils the world throws a fit and just has to ruin our joy you know what i'm talking about we have those moments we we have those slip-ups we sin we grieve the lord we give in to temptation we corrupt our speech Say, Lord, please forgive me. I choose righteousness. Lord, I choose to repent. Lord, because I know it's wrong. I know you are right. And Lord, I'm sorry for grieving you. Please forgive me for grieving you. He says, I forgive you. Let's keep going. You see, religion says, I messed up. My dad's going to kill me. But grace says, I messed up. I need to call my dad. See, how do you view the Lord in this? 
Religion and law says, I messed up, my dad's going to kill me. Grace says, I messed up, I need to call my dad. Grace says, call upon our Father, call upon our God, call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our advocate, he's our mediator, he's our intercessor, he's our redeemer, he's our friend, he's our brother, he's our God, he's our savior, he's our king. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. And as my favorite way of saying this is, I will never leave you even when you're stupid. <laughs> I will never leave you even when you're stupid. Even, even when you sin. Because the children that sin, the parent loves them that much more. They pour more love upon them to draw them, to try to convict them, to try to convince them, to try to draw them to do that which is right. Where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. That's what that means. When you have a wayward child, you pour more love upon them to try to influence them, convince them, convict them to come to you to do that which is right so that they would listen to you, they would correct themselves, that they would choose the right. Where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. Our Father pours upon us that much more grace, that much more love and mercy, that much more influence to try to get us to walk closer to Him so that we would correct ourselves in Him children dear children the lord calls us dear children and this is what's funny in that we think ourselves so smart we think ourselves so intelligent we think that we have the answers to everything. But did, did you know that every single person in the world is just walking around pretending they know what they're doing? No one knows what they're doing. Adults are just, are just big kids scared to death of everything pretending they know what they're doing. <laughs> and that especially before the Lord, we're toddlers. We're, we're, we're toddlers that walk up, that waddle up before our father and say, look what I did. I did a thing. And we think it's so impressive. It's a big deal. Look how good I am. How great I am. That Look what I accomplished. It, it's no different than when a little toddler comes up before you and says, look what I did. I did a thing. And the Lord, the Lord looks down at us the way we would look down at the toddler and smile and say, that's great. But it's a toddler's imagination. We are toddlers before God. Our imaginations, are they really impressive to God? Are our works really impressive to God? The thing about this is we must remember who we are, what we are, and not to think ourselves greater or higher than we are. He who exalts himself, the Lord shall, shall abase. Though you exalt yourself as the eagle, thence will I bring thee down, the Lord says. To humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. To humble yourselves as dear children, as Jesus says. To remember who you are, what you are before God. We're all just toddlers waddling around thinking we, we have it all wired up. We don't know anything. 
as the scriptures say, uh, say, say um, uh, for uh, how's it go? Uh, a man that thinketh he knoweth anything does not yet know as he ought to know. You think you have the answers? No, you don't. You're not even close. This is why the Lord emphasizes so much grace. Grace. Mercy. Grace. Humility. To just believe what I tell you, the Lord says. You may not understand it all the time, but just believe what I'm telling you. You may not always know why, but just believe what I'm telling you. Just do what I say. If you would just but hear my voice and do what I say, the Lord says. If you just hear my voice, obey my voice, and do what I say, keep my commandments, you'll be following me. You will be my priests, and I will be your God. You will be my people, I will be your God. You will be my children, I will be your father. The child doesn't always understand the rules that are handed down by the parent. You know, that was one of the most infuriating things. I remember that when I was little. Every once in a while, that this that, that just that your your dad or your mom just says, says, I want you to do this. But why? Because I said so. It was always maddening. But because I said so is sufficient. Because they said so, because they're the parent, they're the ones in control, they're the authority, and now how much more even God? Because I said so, the Lord says. He owes no man an explanation. He does not need to explain himself on everything. What he said is sufficient. These things are written that ye might believe. As it says, these things are written that ye might believe. And the Lord says to guard your thoughts, guard your words, guard your actions, guard this, stay away from this, stay away from that. Follow me on this. But why? Because I said so. Because that's the way it is. Because this is righteousness and that is unrighteousness. But what about this? What did, what did I say? But what, what, about, what, what about my feelings? What did I say? What about my opinions? What did I say? What about my truth? What did I say? Is it sufficient for you? Is your heavenly father's, because I said so, sufficient for you? You, his child, you, his toddler, is that sufficient for you? Do you say, yes, Abba, Father? Or do you fight him? Do you talk back? Do you fight back? Do you, like Jonah, think that you can hide behind God's back and go and do whatever you want? You see, the Lord has rules for a reason. We're under grace, not law, yes, but the, it comes down to a want to. Do you want to follow the rules of the house? Your parents have a rule, have the rules, the protocols of their home. Do you remember growing up? I, I remember hearing it. What When your parent says, while you are under my roof, this is how it is. <laughs> what about so much more of God's house? 
but you his temple know you not ye are the temple of god you are god's house and then god says while you are under my roof what know ye not ye are the temple of god the spirit of god dwells in you ye are not your own you have been bought with a price how much more the rules of god's house god has rules protocols of speech activity thought word behavior forgiveness repentance grace mercy humility but the fruits of the spirit of these long-suffering jonah's goodness faith meekness temperance and so much more so much more why why would we not want to well to be frank about it there is a bit of a difference between choosing to not want to and just slipping up because you weren't paying attention because you may want to do that which is right but you don't always and that's what's infuriating i find that absolutely infuriating you spend time with the lord and everything's going well and you're and and you you you're just really in that state of zealousness and, and and desiring to walk with the lord and you just you turn around you step out the door to go out to go do something and just it's like a mac truck the flesh just throws a tantrum and you just completely ruin the moment and then you come back and you're all upset why did i do that and it's just wash rinse repeat wash rinse repeat wash rinse repeat and it just seems you can't get out of this why and then you think that there's something wrong with you that maybe you're not saved or maybe there's something wrong with you spiritually or what's going on why does this keep happening why can't i just do what is right that's different that is insanely different from not wanting to this is now something that i hope that you will find very encouraging i have fought with this question i have fought with this explanation that i just gave i fought with this for for a long time i have gone through moments where i actually wondered maybe maybe am i not saved is there something wrong with me why can't i just do what is right i went through quite a period of time on that one battling that and just wondering what's wrong with me and the lord just kept bringing me back to the same thing the same thing the same thing the same thing every time until it finally clicked until it finally clicked he kept answering he kept showing me but i was just i don't know too thick-headed to see it or something i don't know The distinction between flesh and spirit. And what the Lord showed me was Apostle Paul 
and Romans 7. That's why I keep bringing that one up. I keep going back to that. I keep bringing people back to that passage again. Apostle Paul in Romans 7. I am so thankful to the Lord. I praise the Lord of every fiber of my being that he inspired Paul to write Romans chapter 7. Because that saved me such grief. Paul goes on in great detail to talk about the difference, the distinction between flesh and spirit, and how the flesh absolutely hates God. The flesh hates all righteousness. The flesh hates that which is spiritual. The flesh hates reading the Bible, praying, walking in righteousness. The flesh hates avoiding sins. But the spirit loves righteousness, loves the word of God, loves prayer, loves fellowship, loves righteousness, loves righteousness and hates iniquity. And these two things, these two creatures, the old man and the new man, the flesh and the spirit, are locked together. And you know it, that in your spirit, even in the moment of the slip-up, even, even in the moment of sin, you feel it, you know it. It's wrong. But it's almost like you can't control yourself. It's almost like a man possessed. You just, you can't not. And in the back of your mind, you're hearing it, you know it. The conviction, you know it, and you do it anyways. What is that? That's the flesh throwing a tantrum. That's your flesh fighting against the spirit. My flesh wars against my spirit and I cannot do the things I would, as Paul says. Things I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of sin, Paul says. For with the, with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh I serve the law of sin. You see, there's a big difference between wanting, uh, uh, not wanting to and wanting to. The not wanting to is, as we see, is there's no conviction. There is no internal conviction. You don't care. There's a flippancy about sin, joking about it, no conviction. You have no problems, no qualms, no issues, doesn't bother you. But versus inner turmoil absolute inner turmoil you absolutely hate yourself you hate your flesh you hate your sin and but yet you keep doing it again and again and again but you hate it and you fight it and you war against it consistently continuously that's what paul's talking about in romans 7 conviction of sin is one of the greatest signs of salvation that internal internal turmoil of sin and righteousness is one of the greatest evidences of the spirit of god within you convicting you drawing you teaching you for if you had no conviction of sin there's no holy spirit within that's from jc ryle that's a quote that he has the conviction of sin. Conviction. 
Sometimes that conviction can take a while. The prodigal son. But we're not told how long the prodigal son was away from his father. Because time is irrelevant. Wisdom is justified of her children. Time will tell. And we see what happened. He fell under great conviction. Great conviction about what he'd done. Realized, I have sinned. I am wrong. I, what I did was wrong. It was, I was completely wrong. I must return to my father. And he gets up and he returns. Conviction. You see... The Bible talks about those who will not enter the kingdom of God, the fornicator, the liar, the adulterer. You look at the way it's worded in these things. These are individuals who have no conviction about what they're doing and stay in that with no repentance. As it says in 1 John, it says, those who are born of God do not commit sin. The word commit means to live in unrepentantly. For those who are in sin with no conviction, that's because they have no Holy Spirit, they will not enter the kingdom. But can a Christian lie? Yeah. Can a Christian steal? Yeah. Can a Christian be immoral? Yeah. But what happens when you do? When you do sin, what happens? The Spirit of God will convict you of your sin will bring you to the understanding of that sin. will show you how that's wrong. Just like a parent will correct a child that doesn't understand. The child does something wrong. And what does the parent do? Instructs them regarding what is right, what is wrong. The Spirit of God does that for us. Spirit of God, the Spirit of our Father, instructs us. Will teach us the difference between the holy and the profane will give us the conviction, who reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Works within us to bring us to that state so that we will, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if any, and if any men do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Children that listen to the voice of their parent. You remember when you were young and you're running around outside doing who knows what, off who knows where. My dad has this whistle that he can do that is so insanely loud. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> I've tried to learn. I can't do it. My older brother tried to learn. He can't even get close. I don't know how my dad does it. He does. He takes a deep breath and he just bellows up this whistle that you can hear like miles away. <laughs> I grew up in the country with this uh, with this bush behind us, a great forest, and we'd be out like almost a mile away from home and it would come dinner time or whenever and all of a sudden we would hear just ringing over the trees this whistle and we knew that was dad and that meant come home we'd stop what we we're doing and we'd run home if you will obey my voice the lord says he calls god's whistle that when he calls us 
when he speaks his voice that means come home come to me listen to me do what i say obey my voice what did i tell you what what am i telling you what have i told you if you would obey my voice the word the spoken word the word of God the voice of God if you will obey my voice what did I tell you what have I shown you what have I spoken unto you do that he had he has a spoken word for everything he has a protocol a rule for everything but choose you this day whom you will serve will you listen to the voice of God or your own voice the voice of reason of spirituality of holiness and godliness and Christ likeness or your reasoning because look what the Lord says in verse 6 Ephesians 5 verse 6 let no man deceive you with vain words you see there's the word of God and then there's vain words empty worthless useless you, you can think well it sounds great and intellectual high educated they know what they're talking about they have great experience but what about God's experience what about his wisdom his knowledge his reasoning his logic I don't care if the, the how old the guy is and how many years he has I me mean, diplomas and protocols and, and certificates and I don't care how many books he's written I don't care how many lessons he's taken I don't care God's God's older, been around a lot longer, and has a lot more wisdom. God's philosophy supersedes and trumps man's philosophy. God's, God's words versus vain words. Let no man deceive you. That means yourself. Don't deceive yourself. With your own words. Your own logic your own reasoning, your own thinking. Don't let your feelings dictate to you either. Because some days you can feel like God is far away or something. That's, that's a lie. You can feel like you're not saved. That's a lie. You can feel like God's not listening to you or God is mad with you. That's a lie. Your feelings are lies. Facts don't care about your feelings. The fact of the matter is, what did God say? What did, what did I say? The Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you always. I love you unconditionally, the Lord says. It's by grace, not law, the Lord says. Let no man deceive you with vain words. And we talked about corrupted speech. There's also corrupted doctrine. Corrupted gospels. Corrupted theology. There are corrupt ideas of God that people have. Vain words, vain thoughts, vain imaginations, the Bible talks about. Vain imaginations. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things, vain words and sin, because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Now we see here, verse, verse 1, and verse 6, chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 6. Dear children of God versus children of disobedience and wrath. 
You have the children of God and the children of wrath. The children of obedience and the children of disobedience. Now, remember what we talked about? The children are impressionable. Children are very, very impressionable. You become like that which you hang around with. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. You become like that, you hang around. That's why the Bible also talks about to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Children of disobedience. To come out from among them be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I will allow no corrupt communication to proceed out of my mouth. I will meditate on the word of God day and night. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. And on and on and on. Look what he says in verse 7. About the children of wrath, the children of disobedience. Verse 7, be not ye therefore partakers with them. Have nothing to do with them. Mark and avoid those that, that, are, that are contrary to sound doctrine. Verse 8, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Walk as children of light. Children of God, children of obedience, children of light. That you take the light of God, the light of Christ, with you everywhere in everything that you do. The light of Christ. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, expose, refute, resist. Verse 12, for it is a shame. It's shameful. It's a shameful thing. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them. The unfruitful works of darkness, the children of wrath and disobedience, this, uh, to even speak of those things which are done of them in secret. The way they talk in their groups and cliques and the way they behave and stuff, it's a shameful thing to even speak about the kind of stuff they give themselves over to. Don't even joke about it. Don't bring it up other than to rebuke it and refute it. Just completely ignore it. Have nothing to do with it. Verse, uh, verse 13, but all things that are reproved, reproved, what does that mean, reproved? This is John 16, 8, but the, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Reprove, instruct, guide, guard, convict. Verse 13, but all things that are reproved, instruct, guide, guard, convict, that are reproved are made manifest by the light. The light exposes it and reveals what it's truly all about. To expose. Are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Everything is to be affected by this light. 
this light of Christ, the ways of Christ, the teachings, the doctrines, the protocols, the ways, the nature, the character, the behavior of Christ. Everything is to be affected by it. Whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So we see the nature of God's house. The nature of the children of the Lord. Followers as dear children. Followers as dear children. Now, we don't like to think of ourselves as children. As you you don't like it when other people talk down to you. Especially when you get older, you become of a certain age, it, it kind of, it, it's grating. You don't like it when people talk to you and treat you like a child. I'm not a child. Stop talking to me like a child. But we may say that in regards to our physical being. Our flesh does not like that. What about our spirit when God talks to us as a child? Because that's what we are. You think you're mature? You think you're an adult in the faith? You think you got it all wired up? Well, then you must be better than the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul, he understood. He, uh, he wrote about this and he emphasize the importance of this as Christ taught about we must humble ourselves as dear children not to think of ourselves greater than we ought if you think yourself greater than you ought you're full of pride and arrogance and envy you don't understand what it means to walk in the spirit of Christ to humble ourselves in thought, word, and action. Humble ourselves in behavior and understanding. Humble ourselves enough to say that maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe I don't understand. What if I'm wrong? Because humbling ourselves and walking humility acknowledges the ability and the possibility that maybe I'm wrong. And that you will accept correction. When someone comes along to correct you and tells you and shows you how you're wrong, you won't fight that and butt heads and everything else with them, but rather you'll accept it and you'll listen. You are teachable. You have a teachable spirit. As children have teachable spirits, they want to learn. They want to understand. And when you show that lovingly, you come to the child and you show them, actually, that's, that's not right. What you want to do is like this. And they listen and they do that. The Lord wants us to be like that. The Lord wants us to be malleable as he is the potter, we're the clay. We must be malleable, be able to be changed and molded to fit as the Lord instructs according to his word. He's the one that molds us. No one else. He's the one that molds us. And the Lord says, obey my voice, my direction, my hands, my word, what I have said that's the rule while you're under my roof the lord says and since i own you the lord says since you are my temple the lord says and, and you're my priest the lord god says do what i say
And the Lord then says, Because why would you not want to? Choose you this day whom you will serve. If, if my people, which are called by my name, should humble themselves and seek my face and repent of their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. If, if, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, if, choose you this day whom you will serve. Something to think about. All right, so there you go. Just wanted to get that across. What does it mean to walk as children? What does it mean to be a child? Do you remember when you were a child? The awe and wonder and amazement at life and the world and everything going on. What it was like being under your parents' roof. and What about walking in that newness of awe and wonder and amazement at the life of Christ? Life in Christ. As children of God, under God's roof. You see, not everybody, and this is a sad thing, it's true, but not everybody may have had a a great upbringing. A lot of homes uh, are quite broken homes and broken families and problems with parents, certain parents or whatever else. This, This is a very real problem, sad problem. But we cannot look at the Lord and the Lord's family and the Lord's house in this in the same manner as we see maybe of our earthlies. See the see we may not have had wonderful parents or wonderful upbringings or whatever, but the Lord He is wonderful. He's the wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's infinite in mercy and grace and humility and love and kindness and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith, meekness, temperance. We cannot pour upon him our worldly experiences. To look at him is the way we may look at other people here. we got to remember him for who he is and how he calls us. Why would you not want to follow him? Why would you not want to listen to his voice? You're a child groping about in the dark. Listen to his voice. Come to his light. Abide in his light. Abide in him and and let his word abide in you. Obey his voice as dear children. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Commit thy ways unto him. Trust in him with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. He's the great shepherd, we're the sheep. Walk as children of light. Walk as dear children. Alright, so there you go. Okay. Any comments, questions, issues, insights on this? Purely says, anyone who says they don't have sin, the truth is not in them. True. Humility is knowing we can't do this on our own. Amen. Dana says, my flesh and my heart fail, but God 
is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 73, 26. Amen. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Amen. Amen. Uh, purely puts Romans 8, 5. Those that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Amen. Yeah. And uh, Rosalie says, Brother Matthew, I, I so much feel what you're saying Yeah, about, about our complete inability and, and about the war of our flesh with our spirit. We got to learn to be mindful of our own personal strengths and weaknesses as well. We know what our weaknesses are in weaknesses of temptations and sin, things that we have a tendency to give in to easily. What can we do to avoid that? Like, uh, uh, instead of going down that road, take a side trust, it bypass these issues, these things that may cause us to fall. Delete, un unsubscribe, remove, get rid of, avoid. Go somewhere else, talk about something else, avoid certain topics, whatever it needs to be to guard ourselves so that we we will not give, give in to our flesh. We will not allow our flesh an opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for conviction. Amen. All right, so there you go, folks. That's it for today. A simple study on that, on what does it mean to be a child in the faith? A child in the faith. Which is quite interesting because when you take a look at other world religions, it's the complete opposite of that. They teach the opposite of this, that they, that uh, you, you need to take it upon yourself. You need to control yourself. That it's no more a child, but rather they want you to, to take the, the emphasis and the power upon yourself. Instead of humbling yourself, you become your own authority. You wind up saving yourself, atoning for yourself. You become your own God. It, it's, it, it's amazing you see the conflict between the truth of God and vain words. A lot of things to think about. So with that, we wrapped it up there. Thank you so much for joining in. God bless you folks. And if you appreciate these studies, please give this a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icons. You only put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other goodies and content. Please make sure you check those out, all our playlists, as well as check out our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. Get links to all our other platforms and goodies. Please make sure you check that out as well as we have free downloadable gospel track PDFs, which you can access there. And with that, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining. God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.